welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic today on the show. Andrew Schlecht is in the building. What's going on, Schlecht? Uh, a little bit of everything right now, Sam. This is, a, this is a great time of year for basketball. It's a great time of year for basketball. It's a great time of year to have your attention driven 45 different directions in my case. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I've, totally. You know, finally yesterday and last night going into this morning, I got more than four to five hours of sleep, which was great. <laughs> uh, I have to wake up at 3 AM to watch March madness games, which is not ideal. And then, you know, you have all the NBA stuff going on. You have all of uh, the craziness with the draft. Draft declarations are flying and transfer portal uh, is flying around right now. We had some good ones uh, enter the portal today. Shout out Graham E.K. from Wyoming. Big post presence. You got to love it. <laughs> but we're here to talk about two things. In the NBA, we're not doing any college basketball stuff. I would imagine college basketball stuff will occur later this week with Mark Schindler. Select and I are going to do two things. We're going to break down our top five NBA title contenders right now. Give five minutes, maybe four minutes on each of them. And then the rest of this is going to be an Oklahoma City podcast because I love the Thunder. The Thunder are the team that I find myself gravitating most toward right now when I just have a random like block of time to watch. I so thoroughly enjoy this team. I love Jalen Williams. I love Shea, obviously. And I want to have the conversation that I've been promising people that we were going to have for a while, where we talk about just kind of the draft philosophy of the Oklahoma City Thunder on some level and what they seem to be doing to build this roster. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for all of this, Andrew? Born ready. Yes. Born ready. Let's go. You know, speaking of born ready, do you know it comes out in like, you know, five hours here? Not five, but probably like 12 hours here in Australia. No. John Wick 4. Oh. And I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> you better believe I'm ready. I'm ready to go watch a two and a half hour masterpiece of violence. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> I was unaware. I only know uh, I'm. The only the only thing we're anticipating here in the Schlecht house is this Mario movie that's coming out here kids, in like so yeah that'll do it in like fifteen days or so. Where I mean we're we're watching the trailer every day. You know we we cannot handle the anticipation toward the uh, the Mario movie. Or do you have to deal with a lot of Paw Patrol? When I talk to Penny, you know former uh, former guest of the pod Matthew Penny, uh, it's it's all Paw Patrol all the time. Uh, we are we are not a Paw Patrol family. Uh, yeah. We have. We have a lot of other stuff going on. Not Paw Patrol, though. They're and my kids are obsessed <laughs> with Legos. Like anything that involves Legos right now, it's yeah. like we're all over that. There it is. I love it. Okay, let's go. We're gonna talk about top five title contenders. Andrew, I will just give you the floor. Who is number five for you in the NBA title picture? I've got the Boston Celtics still, <laughs> who are struggling right now. But okay. I believe in this team still. They have so many pieces that are battle-tested. Overall, they're second in net rating, fourth in offense, fourth in defense. I know they've been terrible. I know there's a lot of Joe Mazzula questions going on right now. And even Jason Tatum hasn't been awesome since the All-Star break. But sometimes really good teams don't look great in March. The Golden State Warriors, who won the title last year, looked really bad in March. 
And so I'm not going to hold that against them when they when their resume tells me that they are a top five offense, top five defense, and have the second best net rating. So I know a lot of people are really down on them. I still like the top eight that they're going to bring to the table in Tatum, Brown, Smart, Horford, Derek White, Grant Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams. Like, give me those eight, and then like maybe you need a, a Mike Muscala three here or a Sam Hauser three here and there. Sure. But those eight, I, I I trust those eight in a playoff series. And if they're all healthy, and, and they need Robert Williams to be healthy and ready to go. And if he is, then I, I kind of trust this team. I have Boston at two still. Okay. I'm still okay. like all in on the Celtics at this point. I think that they're going to be terrific. Look, it's going to be a bloodbath in the Eastern Conference. We know yeah. that. But the way that you win in the playoffs, in my opinion now, is twofold. Dudes, number one, across the board, you have to have dudes. You have to have the superstars that can carry you. Jason Tatum, I think, has very clearly emerged into something resembling a top five player. I don't feel like this is not a conversation. uh, Top fives for MVP, top fives for best player in the league. This is top five title contender conversation. I don't really feel like diving deep into the weeds of who's a top five player and who's not. Jason Tatum, I think, is the kind of guy that can lead you to a championship. Uh, at the very least, in this NBA ecosystem. They have a real star next to him in Jalen Brown who can go and create his own shot. And beyond that, they just have all of the number two thing that I look for in a potential title contender, just line up flexibility and versatility to be able to beat you in a number of different ways or to be able to react to what a opposing team is presenting to you if the occasion occurs, right? Mm -hmm. If somebody gets on top of you in some way, and you need to adjust and find a different answer, I think the Celtics have more answers that result in playoff wins than most teams, if not every team at the very least. Uh, I think there's a case that you can make that there's a team out there that just is better at what they do than maybe everybody else. But I think the Celtics are very good at adjusting. They have guys, like you said, Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White. You can play those two at the one and two with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown at the three and the four, and then Al Horford at the five. You obviously have Marcus Smart in there, who is tremendous, and I don't mean to leave him out of any of this, but Marcus Smart, you can play super big with Smart, Tatum, Brown, and then Horford and Williams if you want to, and just try and out physical teams. You have Grant Williams as like a smaller ball center if you need him. There is, They have the lineup flexibility and versatility to where – I'm not really all that worried about this little March dip here. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably going to end up being just a little blip. And then you just look at what they've done. Look, they lost by one to Utah, lost by four to Cleveland, lost by two to the Knicks. That's within their last like seven or eight games, right? The, the bad one there is the two point loss to Houston, which is inexcusable. And like, yeah. you can't lose to Houston. That's yeah. no, just not that. something. <laughs> Yeah, not something that can occur. But, you know, they beat Minnesota. They beat Atlanta. They beat Portland twice in that stretch. And they bludgeoned, like, Atlanta and Portland, it felt like. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling okay about where Boston's at. All this to say is I feel okay about the Celtics. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I, okay. I, I like that team a lot. Number five for me is the Denver Nuggets. Do you okay. have the Nuggets on your list? No. Yeah, I have I have one Western Conference team on my list. Yeah, I, I really strongly 
thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have the Nuggets at five. And I think that the reason I have the Nuggets at five is respect for Nikola Jokic. Sure. And what I think this roster has potential to be if they can get everyone firing on all cylinders coming down the stretch here. Now, the problem is that they have really been struggling over the course of the last three weeks, let's say. It feels like, to me, the defense and the intensity on defense has been lower. And a big part of that is that they're playing a little bit more drop coverage on defense now, which is just not something I think that you can really do. Uh, with Nikola Jokic and have any sort of effect. But I do wonder if part of the reason that they're doing it is in order to try and reduce like the strain on Jokic of like having to go out and like blitz ball screens, having to go out and play flat and recover uh, in ball screens and just generally trying to reduce the workload that's on his shoulders and try and keep him fresh for the playoffs because Drop coverage is a way to keep Nikola Jokic fresher for the playoffs. It's just a disaster-looking scenario right now, and mm-hmm. it certainly is not helping anyone uh, who wants to vote for Nikola Jokic to win MVP, to be certain. Yeah, totally. Uh, my, my issue yeah. is, let's say they win the West. I think that's totally yeah. possible that they win the West. What East team are they going to beat? There's going to be multi- there's, there's a lot of East teams that can get there, but it's just my confidence in them being able to beat one of those East teams four out of seven. That's where I'm like, yeah, like there. That's why I only have, and we'll talk about Phoenix later. Uh, that's why Phoenix is the only team that I can imagine beating one of those teams yeah. out East. Well, and, and the problem for the East teams, particularly with them is they all have bigs. Like they have they bodies have that they can throw at Jokic. Yes. Like, yes. Embiid Jokic. I, I think that Embiid would do fine there. Uh, you know, Brooke Lopez against Jokic just frees up Giannis to be able to feel a little bit more comfortable, I think. And then Boston obviously has Al Horford and Rob Williams to be able to throw at him as well. Mm. And I do think I agree with you. I think that would present real problems for Denver. I'll be real with it. I think there are really only four teams right now that I feel like can win a title. Um, But I picked Denver. Denver's the team with the best record. Nicole Jokic is playoff uh performances i think have gone underrated over the years i think he is genuinely a guy that rises to the occasion outside of that series last year against golden state Mm -hmm. i think that he does really rise to the occasion if you look at his numbers all throughout his career there are tremendous tremendous performances in there i I just you know i I don't know if this roster is quite built in terms of depth particularly I think the Nuggets missed a real opportunity at the deadline. I talked about that at the time. Mm-hmm. I thought they should have gone all in. I thought that, that it was a real mistake for them not to go all in, go out and get two-way guards, two-way wings that can play. Yeah. And they didn't. And that's a real mistake on their part that they're going to have to live with if they don't win the title. Much like Phoenix, I think, has to live with the fact that they uh, had a real chance last year to go get some guys and yeah. didn't. And they got unceremoniously bounced by Dallas. Yep. Okay. Number four, Andrew. I've got the Cleveland Cavaliers here. (laughs) I would ask this question. I got yelled at by Cavs fans last time I talked about them as a potential title contender. Uh huh. I I would say this. Let's go. What else? What else do they have to do? 
this season. They're yeah. first in defense. They're first in net rating. What else do they honestly have to do to make yeah. us think that they're title contenders? Donovan Mitchell is a bona fide star in the playoffs. You've got ridiculous interior defense. Darius Garland has had an underrated season. He's a really good player. I just don't know what else they have to do to get there. I don't think that they can beat. Like, I just don't know. I, I probably need to have Boston ahead of them because I'm not sure that they could beat Boston. I think if they got matched up with Philly, it would be really interesting. I'd yeah. be very intrigued by that particular matchup with them. That's a scenario where they could maybe squeak in there. I think Boston would be too much for them. I think Milwaukee might be too much for them. But I just don't know what else they would have to do for us to put them there. Maybe they need to be battle-tested together. Yeah. But I just believe in like, Evan Mobley. I want to I see playoff Evan Mobley. Like Let's, let's see what that's like. Uh, yeah. I, I just think that this team deserves a little bit more respect than they get. A lot of people just completely dismiss them. They throw them to the side. And then they elevate teams like the Clippers, where it's like the Clippers don't have the resume of a team that goes to the NBA Finals, like period, the end. No. They don't have it. The Golden State Warriors, people still talk about them. Oh, they have this five-man lineup. They don't have the resume of a team that has ever gotten to the Finals, ever. Yeah. And we still give them the respect. But we don't give Cleveland the respect, even though they have the resume of a, of a lots of teams have gotten to the NBA Finals with that resume. And so we're not willing to give it to them, probably because we haven't seen it. But to me, I, I think that they're they have a shot at this. I don't think I wouldn't pick them to win it, but they certainly have a shot. I'm glad you brought up the Warriors because the Warriors, you know, are the team that I have at number six. And I just couldn't get there. Like I, I feel like it's difficult to really make a case for them with their yeah. resume. Like this is not a team that tends to win a title. Point blank. It, it, it yep. sucks. Like I, they've dealt with injuries and I think you can make a real case for context with them, right? They, they have mm-hmm. not had their full lineup, but the reason I have them at six as much as anything is we don't know what's going on with Andrew Wiggins. We wish yeah. Andrew Wiggins the best first and foremost, Yeah, but it's a real problem for them that we don't know what's going on with Wiggins, which is why I had to yeah. bump them from the top five in general. Mm-hmm. Back to Cleveland now. Cleveland I'm glad you brought up Evan Mobley. We now have a 26 game stretch of or 26 game stretch of games now, I guess, where he's averaged 19 points, nine rebounds, three assists, one steal, 1.6 blocks, shooting 54% from the field. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Wiggins is, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, my dog just like came in and started barking, so I'm also. <laughs> Evan Mobley is like turning into a real star. Like he has made that yeah. second year leap that everyone complained about him not making in the preseason for whatever, mm-hmm. or in the middle of the season for whatever reason. He's a genuine number three next to Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. I'm yeah. really glad you brought up the idea of them being able to potentially hang with the 76ers. Yeah. The teams that have beaten the 76ers in the playoffs traditionally, uh, looking back specifically toward the Atlanta Hawks with Trey Young are the teams that just murder drop coverage. Mm-hmm. And the Cavs with Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland is elite level pull-up shooters have that ability. This is a real potential concerning matchup for Philly. Now, mm-hmm. as you'll see by my rankings, I still would pick Philly in that matchup. But I would be somewhat concerned about that matchup if I was a Philadelphia fan. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would too. You ju- you wish they had one more wing that you trusted. Yep. I like Okoro. I think he's actually been okay. But like that Lamar Stevens, Karis Levert spot, I wish that was going to somebody else. Well, um, just give it to Dean Wade. Like Dean Wade's give it fine. To Dean Wade. Yeah, true. Dean Wade is fine. You wish Danny Green had a little bit more gas in the tank. Uh, you know, I really wish they had one more guy. Yeah. And they'll probably go get that one more guy this summer, and then we can really yep. talk about them as title contenders this time next year. But I don't know. Their resume just tells me that this is a team to to look out for in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, number one in net rating is a real thing. Like those teams yeah. tend to have some success in the playoffs. It's funny. Like you bring up them needing a wing. They probably moved the wing given the way that Oshai Agbaji is playing over the last few yeah. weeks in Utah. Yeah, he looked good He's last been night. really useful. Yeah, yeah. Like, look, you do this trade a hundred times out of a hundred if you're Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, could you have found a way to keep Oshai? Was there ever a chance where your offer was just the best on the table, regardless of including Oshai? Yeah. You never know. Right. But you don't look back because you ended up with Donovan Mitchell and he's the yeah. reason that you're in this spot right now. Also, I just want to note. I've seen like MVP top tens without Donovan Mitchell. That is insane to me. It's it, it's, it's it's honestly just weird. It's just like yeah. Cleveland is just like omitted from everything this year, and I don't quite understand it. Like all due respect to Shea, and we're gonna give Shea his flowers a lot later. This seems yeah. like ten games better than the Thunder, and yeah. that should matter like, on some level. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Donovan Mitchell should be ahead of Shea in MVP rankings if you're looking for a top 10. No disrespect mm-hmm. to Shea. Again, we love him. We're going to talk about him extensively later. I would also have Shea top 10 in MVP. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I think Mitchell deserves a lot more credit than what he's getting right now. Yeah. Okay, my number four is the Phoenix Suns. I'm glad you brought them up earlier. Uh, where mm-hmm. do you have Phoenix on your list? I have them number two. Yeah, just no, genuinely, I think that's fine. A lot of people, so I watched them play up close on Sunday against the Thunder. The Thunder won the game. A lot of people came away thinking like, oh, man, Phoenix, they're not, they don't have it this year, yada, yada. I'm, I, I feel the opposite. Yeah. I watched what Devin Booker was able to do on the court. I just thought, oh, my gosh. The whole time I just kept thinking, this team has Kevin Durant as well. <laughs> they also have DeAndre Ayton. And you yeah. put those guys on the court – the minutes from everybody else aren't going to matter quite as much. A lot of people yeah. zeroed in on like, oh, maybe they don't have the right wings. It's like, they have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton. I mean, that's a ridiculous team. They, it that is, is, and if, yeah. if Kevin is healthy, I think that they will beat most every team. I just yeah. think that they, that's a, they're not battle-tested together, but Kevin knows how to win. And Kevin will help that team if he's healthy, which is a pretty big if. But if if this if we're just counting everybody healthy, that's that would be the team that I stack up as number two. Look, if I thought they were totally healthy, I think I would have them one. Like yeah. I, I straight up do. Uh, mm-hmm. If I thought that I could trust them to stay healthy for three straight months here moving forward, yeah, this is the most talented team. That offense that we saw in those limited games with Kevin Durant on the court was terrifying. Yeah. Like that offense was crazy. You have Chris Paul in like Deandre Ayton running ball screens. And then on the weak side, you have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, where they either have to make the terrible choice of, 
okay, let's sag off of one of these guys in order to tag the DeAndre Ayton role, or let's just like leave Kevin Dur- or like let's not and get a wide open dunk for DeAndre Ayton, or it's a yeah. wide open three for one of Devin Booker, or Kevin Durant, like. Monty Williams is a really good coach. Like he figured out basically immediately how to make this thing work. It was humming and they were Mm -hmm. playing together. Uh, Mm -hmm. Look, they, they don't have a ton of depth. I don't really care uh, if all those guys are healthy. If one of those guys is out, the depth becomes a real concern because you have to make up for 35 minutes a night with, you know, more minutes from Torrey Craig, Josh Kogi, Terrence Ross, et cetera. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, if this team's healthy, they are a they are the team in the West. I, I still think I've seen no evidence to the contrary. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that's the team that I think if if they can get to the finals, I think they can beat somebody out east. I, I don't feel confident in anybody else. I don't think I do either. Uh, okay, number three. Number three, I have Philly. I also have Philly at number three. So we are aligned here. This is great. Okay. Okay. The Philadelphia 76ers. Why do you like the Philadelphia 76ers as a potential title contender? It's it's just starts and ends with Joel Embiid and just the ridiculous talent and just like the desire that we've seen out of him this year. Like he wants to win the MVP. He wants, I, I think he will be so dissatisfied and it will hurt him so badly to not at least get to the East Finals, that I just think that this will be the year that he gets there. He just needs to avoid some strange injury that inevitably happens to him almost every year around this time. And if he can avoid that, I think this team is built to do it. I know there's questions yep. about Doc Rivers and James Harden, but I love Tyrese Maxey. I love the addition of DeAnthony Melton. I think they have just enough guys to get them there. Tobias Harris can even hit a shot here and there, and he's got a big body. I just, but it really is just about Joel Embiid, who's had the most ridiculous season. He's probably going to win the MVP, 33 points, 10 boards, four assists, a steal and a block. I mean, he's, he has probably had the best season of anybody this year. And I just think that there's no good matchup for him. I know there's a lot of bigs in the East. I just think that he's going to dominate the East playoffs if he's healthy. And then Tyrese Maxey as well who's had a nice season on or off the bench. He hasn't really seemed to care, which I think is a really good thing for the Sixers, yep. for their chemistry, because that could have been, honestly, it could have been a point of contention with them uh, yep. when he was coming back from injury. But uh, it wasn't that. And so I like them. They've got, you know, I love Paul Reed. I just think he's really fun. I think throwing in Shake Milton <laughs> here and there, I think that he's a fun player too. I don't know if Niang can play a whole lot in the playoffs, but they're going to give him a shot. They've got like enough options out there with role players. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, James Harden, there's going to be questions. He was really bad last night against the Bulls. But I still think that James has something left in the tank. I think that if he doesn't even, I mean, if he has to be the third best player on the team with Joel and Maxi and then him, I think that they can win playoff series. They can get past these guys in the East. So I just, I don't know. Yeah. I believe in Joel Embiid. I also believe in Joel Embiid. I believe in the different lineup combinations that they have potential to put on the court. Uh, You mentioned that Niang could be a problem in the playoffs. You know, they went out and got Jalen McDaniels, right? Like Jalen McDaniels is a athletic, 
play hard defensive player. He needs to be able to shoot, like to be able to face the floor around Joel a little bit. But the other thing is like, I think Tobias Harris has had a really underrated season. I know he's averaging like 15 points and six rebounds. And, you know, for a guy that's making 35 million, that doesn't look great. He's improved so much on defense. He takes Mm -hmm. every single opportunity. It feels like that is given to him. And makes something efficient out of it. He's at like a 50, 39, 87 season. Like if he goes on a hot streak here to end the year, there's like a non-zero chance we're talking about like a 15 point, 50, 40, 90 guy. You know what I mean? Like he has been just very impactful. PJ Tucker gives you a body to throw at someone. I don't know if their best lineups include PJ Tucker, but for 20 minutes a night, being able to throw PJ Tucker on an opposing team's best player is valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think this seems really good. The only reason that I don't have them higher than three is that I have zero faith in Doc Rivers in the playoffs. I know. I, don't. Like, <laughs> I know. It, it's they, the Doc they can Rivers have all and this... the James Harden stuff, man. It really <laughs> yeah. is. They could have all this potential versatility. It doesn't really matter if he doesn't know how to use it. And yeah. I've seen precious little from doc rivers's playoff career that makes me think that he will make the correct adjustments in game to uh, you know whenever boston is out there and uh, able to adjust to whatever philadelphia is doing night after night after night Mm -hmm. like I, i have real concerns about Doc Rivers being able to figure out how to mismanage or how to manage, he will mismanage it in all likelihood, uh, how to manage those adjustments at the end of the day. If if he can do that, I'm interested. If I see Montrez Harrell play any minutes in the playoffs, there's a brick going through a window somewhere. Oh, it's going to happen. Like, (laughs) it's going to happen. They they just need to, I mean, if if I were Daryl Moore, I'd just wave him. Just get him out. Just get him out of there. Take the club out of the bag. <laughs> he's not going to help you. Please stop this. You have other guys that are way more helpful. You know, why did I mean they went and got Dwayne Dedman? I'm not sure that Dwayne Dedman's the answer either, but I I know for sure that Montrose Harrell is not the answer. Yeah, I mean, look, the the thing is they have not played Montrose Harrell in probably a, it feels like a month. He has not played. Yeah. It's yeah. been a long time. But I feel worried that they're going to do like, it. Yeah, do we really believe he's not going to do it? He's still played more total minutes than Paul Reed all year. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Which should not terrifying. be a sentence. Yeah. It, it really is. Like, if I was a Philly fan, like, it'd be a nightmare to me. Like, this team is talented yeah. enough to win a title. And, yeah. you know, this they've played, like, Dwayne Dedman, like, in, what, four of the last five games? Something like yeah. that, it's felt like. Not a lot, but, like... Even just a little bit is yeah, a just little, little too spot much minutes here and there. That, yeah, and that's fine. That's just there's just going to be some there's going to be something egregious that happens with Philly in round one or round two that is going to cost them five minutes, and those could be very important five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, so uh, look, they're probably going to end up playing. They're, what they're probably the three, so they probably get Miami in the first round. Mm-hmm. Could be Brooklyn theoretically. Uh, Brooklyn is still like hanging on They're 39 and 32, two games ahead of Miami in the loss column. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see which of Brooklyn or Miami ends up in the uh, outside of the play in given that the Knicks, it looks like are going to be very solidly in the playoffs, which I love. Yep. Yeah. I like the Knicks. They're going to be fun. They're so fun. They're They're great. 
they're very pesky. That series against Cleveland is going to be just absolutely glorious. And I'm so excited for it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So my number two was Boston. Uh Uh-huh. You had Phoenix at number two. I had Phoenix. We've talked about both of those teams. Both of our favorites are Milwaukee then, I would imagine. Right? Yes. Milwaukee. What do you appreciate so much about Milwaukee at this stage? And what makes them the clear favorite? Well, they've done it before. They have Giannis and Drew. And Brooke Lopez has had one of the one of the best seasons of his career, honestly. Like yeah. defensively, he's been a monster. Uh, their defense has been unbelievable. Giannis has been unbelievable. They're battle tested together. Drew has had I mean, it's it's pretty wild. Drew is he was in the all star game. This is just a really good team. They have other guys that I just trust. Like I think yeah. Bobby Portis is gonna show up. I think Javon Carter is gonna show up. Uh I think Jay Crowder is a nice addition. They just have a lot of guys that are playoff guys. And yeah. this is a very it's a very fun team. They're a team that I think has the best chance to win the title. And, you know, Giannis is only twenty eight. Like that to <laughs> me is probably the most shocking thing of all of this. Yeah. Is that Giannis isn't even thirty yet and he's won a title already. Uh he's gonna I mean, he's probably going to, he's going to be top three in MVP voting. He could win it, you know, depending on what happens down the stretch here. Uh, yeah, this is the team. Like, this is the one to watch out for because they're steady. They play good defense. Uh, they don't really do anything super special. It's just like we're, we're smarter than you. We're more disciplined than you. Uh, yeah. And they, and they also have a coach, Mike Budenholzer, who's had to adjust and has had, you know, some rough playoff series himself. And he's yep. been through it. And part of me just trusts people that have been through it and gotten to the other side and are trying to do it again. Like I yep. I just trust teams like that, especially when their star is only 28. Yeah. Uh, the big thing for me on why I have Milwaukee at number one is the reemergence of Chris Middleton into being a very, uh, maybe not like elite, elite player, but yep. certainly a guy that's like a top 40 player in the league right now. Uh, over the course of his last 15 games, he's averaging 17 points, five rebounds, six assists per game. He's really uh, done a great job of becoming a little bit more of a distributor over the course of the last few uh, few weeks, it's felt like. This is a team that it really worried me early on that they didn't have a ton of ball movement, it felt like. It mm-hmm. could get a little bit stagnant. It felt sometimes like watching the Clippers is another example of this, Yeah, where it's Giannis is bulldozing his way to the basket that's their option right with Middleton back with Joe Ingles's introduction into this team over the course of the last couple of months I think that they've gotten a little bit more of that zip around the court back Mm -hmm. that has been really integral to a lot of uh a lot of Mike Budenholzer run offenses throughout his career uh, Middleton over that time shooting 47, 37, 88. He's kind of back to just being that efficient uh, offensive weapon that is desperately needed around Giannis as a shot creator that can get his shot at all three levels, which is what you need uh, next to a Giannis and next to Drew, frankly, who Drew has had a great year. Drew can go hot and cold when he's tightly yeah. guarded in the playoffs. You need that third option to emerge. They've always had it on the roster. It's just that Chris Middleton did not play a ton this season due to injury. 
Now he's back. It looks like he's back at full strength. With him back at full strength, I think Milwaukee is the clear favorite. They also did a great job at the deadline going out to get a Jay Crowder, going out to get someone uh, that is going to give them real versatility to be able to play different sorts of lineups, game in, game out. Yeah, this is a this is this is the team to me that I think is the yeah. favorite. Yeah, that that game against the Kings was a really big one because Chris looked like himself in that one. We were like, yeah. oh okay, like here they are, he's back, and he yeah. he was awesome. He's crazy efficient in that game. I think he had five threes and like didn't miss a free throw, and I think he had nine assists. Yeah, yeah, thirty one nine and three on fifteen shots. <laughs> That night. It's like, okay, Chris Middleton's back. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to talk about the beloved Oklahoma City Thunder that Andrew and I just absolutely adore. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot-blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash gametheory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, With Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash gametheory to claim your account. nordvpn.com slash gametheory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash gametheory. All right, Andrew, are you ready to do this? You ready to talk thunder? I'm ready. I do it. I do it a lot. I'm ready to do it. <laughs> ready to talk. 
with you specifically, Sam, about the Thunder? So the thing I want to start with is, look, I love Down to Dunk. I can't say that I listen to it every episode. I do listen, but not... There's a lot of episodes. That's okay. Certainly not every episode. A thing that I want to talk to you about to start is just the way that this team has been constructed as much as anything. It feels like to me from the outside and, you know, get trying to gather as much as I can understanding what their process is. It feels like they have figured out the way to go about building a roster with elite positional size. Mm -hmm. The Raptors tried to do this with their project six, nine or whatever. Everyone can handle the ball. Everybody can get up tempo. Everyone's athletic, et cetera, et cetera. Where I think the Raptors just slightly missed was the skill part of it. And I feel like the Thunder are doing something very similar, drafting guys with elite positional size. Look at last year's draft. Chet Holmgren, Jalen Williams, six foot six with a seven foot two wingspan, looks more like a four out there a lot Mm -hmm. of the time in terms of his size. Uh, And Usman Jang, six foot 10, starting to come on in a way. Uh, You know, certainly just a bench player who is emerging and is very young it does i will say this he looks way better than what i thought he would this season at any point i thought he was a pure developmental player Mm -hmm. and then you know jalen williams is a versatile jay will is a versatile defensive chess piece that you can do a lot with yep doesn't have like elite positional size but is switchable the thing that on top of that that they have figured out is the skill piece all of the guys that they drafted are very skilled for their position. Chet, Jalen Williams, uh, Usman Jang, six foot 10 French point guard, basically, uh, Mm -hmm. when he was developing. Jalen Williams, uh, J. Will, essentially a floor spacing five man that is tough and physical, but also really uh, can pass and make plays and things. Yeah. But the biggest thing to me is that they draft guys with a fast brain. Mm -hmm. They draft guys that process the game exceptionally well, think the game at an extremely high level. And because of that, and this goes back to the last draft as well, Josh Giddy, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, because of that, these guys are able to play sooner rather than later. And yep. they're able to make an impact within Mark Dagnalt's uh, defensive structure early, as well as, be able to play five out offense, which is what they really want to do there, uh, long term and short term. Tell me what you think of all of this because it's kind of something I've had brewing in my brain for a while, and I really love what they've done. Yeah, I think you you nailed it. One that got really lucky that a, a team that wanted Paul George had a guy named Shea Gilgis Alexander who fits all of that to a T. Incredibly intelligent player, crazy long arms, six foot six point guard. I mean, Monty Williams said the other night that he looks like a four man a lot of times yeah. out there with his size. And so you start your team with that. And then it was interesting because in their first draft, when they had the chance to draft Josh Giddy, a lot of people were thinking, okay, f- the first draft of the rebuild. What do we know about Sam Presti? He got he likes really athletic guys that don't do a whole lot. You know, they're just crazy athletic and they try to make them into basketball players. That was kind of what they tried to do the first time around. And so they're like, okay, Jonathan Kaminga. Let's put Kaminga yeah. on the Thunder. You know, let's put Keon Johnson on the Thunder. 
And then it's like, nope, it's going to be a little different this time. They took Josh Giddy, six foot eight point guard, just a crazy rebounder, crazy competitor. I think that's another thing yeah. is like personality is such a huge deal to this yep. team. And if you ever get a chance to be near or around this group, you see it pretty quickly that this yeah. is, you have to have a pretty high level of character to yeah. be on this team. And if there's questions about your character, sorry, you're not a Thunder player. You won't, yeah. you will not be on this team. And so it, the first thing, the first question you have to ask yourself is, can this guy be a Thunder player is, can they make a decision with the basketball? If the answer yeah. is no, they won't play for the Thunder. They just won't. And there might be some exceptions to that, maybe with like a free agent or somebody that is brought in like on the fringes of the roster where they're just like trying to figure figure out who they are, maybe a second round pick or something like that. But if they're drafting in the lottery, they're going to draft a guy that can make a decision with the basketball, yep. like guaranteed. And that's why like Chet was the perfect fit out of the guys that were taken at the top of the draft. That's why Jalen Williams was. I mean, Jalen Williams, a lot of people know his story. He was a point guard and then had a growth spurt right before he went to Santa Clara for his first year and just kind of showed up on campus like six foot five, like, wait a minute, you were supposed (laughs) to be six foot one. You know what happened here? And he just became a guy that could play multiple positions. And he had never played the four and he played, he played the four for the first time with the thunder in summer league. And I got to talk to him after the game and he's, he said, yeah, I've never done that before. And not only not only has he done that and like consistently starts at that position for the Thunder, they play him a small ball five. Yeah, and you know they that's what they want. They want this to be as positionless as possible, and size makes it possible. Certainly, like the the yeah. fact that all these guys are six six and taller, crazy long arms, uh, giddy six eight. But it's also just the skill overlap. A lot of people think skill overlap can be not the greatest thing all the time. But when the skill overlap is being able to handle the ball and being able to make a decision with it, uh, it's actually pretty great because that actually does make (laughs) it positionless. Because if everybody can initiate offense, if everybody can get downhill, which is very much a thunder thing, then you're set. And you don't have to worry about getting into the offense late. That's one of the things that Mark just hates is when they don't get into the offense immediately. Like they want to yep. use they want to be able to use every second of that shot clock and how you do that is you push the ball up the court as fast as possible with whoever's nearest to the ball. And that's what they do. Is they try to get into their sets as fast as possible so that if the first one doesn't work, spray it out, try it again. And they're they're extremely fun and you know, I I think they're going to continue to try to add players like this. Uh, some people think like, oh man, there's they can have too many decision makers out there. I just don't know that the thought process, you know, of the team indicates that. Like, I just don't, I don't really see that. I think that they're going to continue to add to the team in that way. Um, so yeah, but I think you nailed this. Size for position is big. Making a decision is big, um, yep. and then character is also like definitely a thing. Yeah. So the you brought up the idea of them being like athletes, you know, in the previous generation, you know, your Andre Robertson's, your Perry Joneses, your, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this, that, and the other. Right. Mm-hmm. It felt like to me, those were, and look, the Detroit Pistons track record at this point kind of says that 
those guys seem to be more Troy Weaver types. There's, right? Those were, yeah, totally. And now that Sam, you know, once Troy Weaver got that job in Detroit, it felt like Presti decided to do a different thing. Not to say that one of them is right and one of them is wrong. I prefer mm-hmm. the Oklahoma City model personally. Uh, mm-hmm. It felt like Presti decided to go down a different road. And I find that fascinating in a number of different directions, just because a, it feels like we don't get many general managers who get a chance to like evolve. They get fired before they evolve. Right. If something Mm -hmm. goes wrong and like they go from contender to non-contender, the process ends and maybe they go get a new job like Daryl Morey did where he left Houston to go to Philly, or Mm -hmm. maybe they get fired. It feels like we rarely get general managers who get to, evolve and change over the course of their careers with one organization. Yeah. Presti has really done that. Like, and look, you're never like, I feel like Sam Presti, like is never going to lose a trade just straight up. Like he's great. He understands what he's looking for in those regards. And now he, I think more than any other general manager understood where the league was going quicker than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they now have a leg up on everybody. You talk to te- like, look, I talk to teams all the time as someone who does draft stuff. Like this is, this is what I do. Yeah. Every single team is looking for guys, you know, positional size, positional skill, positional length, all that stuff. Some teams yeah. value feel more than others. Some teams value character more than others, but everyone wants positional size, positional skill. That's it. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma City figured that out quicker than everybody. And because they figured it out quicker than everybody, they were able to get their pick of the guys with high character, with, you know, the other attributes that they look for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a credit to Sam Presti. That's why this team has evolved as quickly as it has uh, from essentially being tanking, you know, not not quite tanking, but they th- yeah. their tanking process was way shorter than what everybody thinks. Like yeah, it's two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're on three seasons with Houston right now. Mm-hmm. And four San Antonio, with Detroit. Yeah. Four with Detroit. San Antonio is going to be multiple seasons here moving yeah. forward unless they get one. Yeah. Like right. the way that they were able to turn this as quickly as they were is very real. Mm-hmm. And because of that, this team is now extremely well positioned moving forward, especially with all the assets they have now. I mean, they have, a million assets moving forward to be able to continue to build and maybe use some of those assets. Now that teams have figured out what this model is in order to get higher up the draft board and continue to accumulate these players that you tend to have to draft because they are very valuable as opposed to getting them in free agency. Yeah. I mean, the thunder won't, won't be able to use free agency uh, just because they're located in Oklahoma city. And players don't want to come play here. And that's just yeah. man, that's just the nature of this. Um, but that's okay. They've got enough draft picks. They'll be able to find the guys they want. I mean, in this next draft, they only have one pick. They only have their own pick. But next year, they potentially have four. <laughs> and they could use, you know, a couple yeah. of those picks. Let's say they really like a particular player in like the six or seven range. And they could use a few draft picks to go get who they want. You know, that's kind of the beauty of that for them. Um, And who knows? I mean, they had that pick at 12. You know, Jalen Williams was there. 
And he was a guy that was projected to go even lower than that. And so, so, yeah, I've done research on this. I think I was the highest out of people in the public sphere that yeah. do this, you know, professionally, not just, you know, as like a side job. Uh, yeah. I think I was the highest and I had him at 18. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a surprise and, you know, Sam Presley will never show anybody his, his draft big board, but I would <laughs> guess it, it looked pretty different because he was definitely yeah. the guy that they had circled. It was Chet. I mean, Chet without a doubt was like the thunder yes. guy. Like, and then, yes. and then it was, and then it was Jalen Williams and they've proven to be right about that. I mean, he's, his trajectory looks pretty ridiculous right now. So yeah, let's talk about Jalen. Let's transition to J-Dub. We have a question here from Kenny in the YouTube comments. JJ Redick, shout out JJ, said J-Dub has superstar potential. What are your thoughts on that, Andrew Schlecht? Uh, it's, he definitely has that potential, without a doubt. You can see how he can get there because he's a big wing that can handle the ball. He can shoot. He can pass. He gets to the hoop. He's he's 70% in the restricted area this year, which is just absurd. And he's crazy efficient. And he's efficient whether he's taken five shots or 15 shots in a game. And he's worked really hard to get to this level. And I think he's going to continue to work. And so he has like all the makings of what a star wing looks like, you know, as a young player. And the efficiency stuff is honestly like it's out of this world. There just aren't many <laughs> players that like the, the last player that was listed as a guard that was this efficient around the rim and from the field in general was Ben Simmons. And yeah. Ben only took shots at the rim and like took those like little floaters. And, like that's all he did. Well, Jada takes every kind of shot. He takes threes. He takes mid-range jumpers. He takes pull-ups. He takes floaters. He takes these like cross like he crosses the the lane taking like going the opposite way with the opposite hand like shooting the float i mean he just does everything like high degree of difficulty shots and he's still just crazy efficient um it would be a little surprising if he wasn't at least like a fringe all-star if not an all-star type of player down the road just because this is this is what these guys look like i agree i i would be surprised at this point if he is not a star that's yeah. kind of where I'm at on him. Like you watch the way that he processes drives even, right? Like let alone like just process the game, gets the ball out quickly, rotates well defensively, everything. Like his reactivity is lightning quick yep. driving to the rim in terms of the way that help defenders come at him and he's reading help defenders, figuring out which which and where to go. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. how to contort his body, how to use his length to its yep. best uh, potential. What I wrote in the rookie rankings was I think he has this really cool blend of like modern basketball mindset, processing, constant cross corner kickouts, you know, uh, creative finishes around the basket, you know, trying to put pressure on the rim, willingness to shoot threes, et cetera, et cetera. But mixes it with, this like old school like footwork based game with like reverse pivots and like these weird like he'll throw up like running hook shots like yeah. at the basket that yeah. go in because he has great touch and he has length to high point the ball above rim protectors at a really high yep. level. He is ridiculous. 
mm-hmm. he is a genuinely ridiculous player. I am like fully on like in a redraft of I have to do a redraft of the 2022 draft in April mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. He is like unequivocally a top five pick. I don't even think it's close. Like yeah. it, it's totally you can make a case for him at two, I think. Like, yeah, look, yeah. Look, like I love Chet. Probably would still take Chet over him long term, which says a lot yeah. about where the Thunder are, I think, because yeah. I think Chet is just an absolute stud. But, you know, I, I don't know, knowing the certainty of what we know about J-Dub now, how this translates to the NBA, I, I really would have to consider it. Like, I really will have to strongly think about that. Mm-hmm. when I'm, you know, going through that process because we know that he can be like a 25 and five guy over the course of X number of games. Right. So yeah, yeah it's, it's real. It's, I think that if he closes the season like this and Paulo continues to be a bit inefficient, I think the rookie of the year race is like semi open still. Mm-hmm. It's probably Paulo, but yeah, you never know. Right, like if yeah. Oklahoma City makes the play-in, or God forbid, the playoffs, like they end up the sixth seed, which would be bonkers. Yeah, I mean, not impossible. Yeah. This next, this next seven games are are pretty big for them if they can. Yeah, somehow go like four and three in this next seven, which is possible. Like they're, yeah, they could get there, and, and some of that is also the teams around them are just falling apart. But yeah, um, you know, J Dub will be a big part of what they're doing, and I. We we did a redraft on down to dunk last week, and he ended up going third. I just yeah. stuck with Chet at two, just because I know how in love the Thunder are with him. Yeah, um, and he's such a weird player, and he he actually warmed up in front <laughs> of the home crowd for the first time for like twenty plus minutes, and it was uh, something to behold. I mean, the dude's jumper looks ridiculous. He. Yeah. He's got pull-ups. He's got threes. I mean, I'm I'm very very intrigued to see what he looks like um, with he is, with this particular team. It's going to be ridiculous. He is sick. He is absolutely sick. <laughs> uh, okay, L- let's talk about Shea real quick now. Um, yeah, Shea Gilgis Alexander. I would have him in the top ten for MVP. I venture. Something like oh, second team All NBA. Luca would definitely be first team All NBA in a guard spot. Yeah, I think my immediate reaction would be to have Donovan Mitchell ahead of him, just because they're like mm-hmm. ten games ahead of Oklahoma City, and I think that sure. you know, Donovan's numbers are just going to be worse because he's playing next to Darius Garland, and mm-hmm. like Darius gets usage, Evan Mobley gets usage, etc. Uh, I, I I just. Something like second team all NBA sounds right to me for Shea. And I think that's an em- enormous emergence into being a real star. Yeah. I mean, 31 points per game is ridiculous in itself. He, yeah. the way that he can get to the hoop and finish just over and over again. I mean, he had 40 the other night, zero three pointers taken, zero. Yeah. I mean, he can get whatever he wants whenever he wants. The pull-up mid-range is filthy. He's, I mean, he's still shooting fifty-one percent from the field. I mean, the when you plug his numbers in to Stathead, like the only consistent name that pops up is Michael Jordan. Yeah, and it's 
it's absurd what he's doing. The and the there's two things that have changed the most for him since last season. One, it's free throws. Ten free mm-hmm. throws a game at ninety percent from the line. Like he's just automatic. And then the second thing is defense. Like he yes. cares about defense this year. He is an absolute two way player. Who was guarding Devin Booker down the stretch of that Suns game? It was Shea. Yeah. Who was being who and he was extremely effective because he's got long arms, he cares, and he watches a ton of tape. You can tell there there was a game really, really early on in the Thunder season where they were playing Orlando and Franz Wagner was basically their guy down the stretch. And he knew exactly which shoulder Franz was gonna turn over and stopped him before he could even get to it. And I was yeah. like, Oh, okay, yeah. this is a this is a different season for Shea. And it's been that way since then. Like he wants to take on tough assignments. I asked him about it after the game against Phoenix, just about his thoughts on like. Obviously, you chose to match up with with Book, and you know what? Like, tell me, you know, what's your motivation? He said, "Well, he's like, I need to know where I stack up. Like, I want to be the, <laughs> I want to be the best player, and I need to know where I stack up against the best guys on both ends. Like, can yeah. I?" Like obviously he can dice up Devin Booker, but can he stop Devin Booker? You know that's yeah. that's what he wanted to know. And on top of that, he's he's honestly kind of a dream superstar for this franchise because he's willing to do just anything and everything. I mean the dude sets screens. I mean he was the screener and the roller, yeah, a couple times in that game against Phoenix. Yeah, and that just doesn't happen. <laughs> with guys like him you know i mean he he's he's selfless he's he can score whenever he wants he cares about defense uh he's definitely an all nba type of player he he made a tremendous leap from last year to this year and he's only taken two and a half threes a game which is crazy that is not if i were to project how he was to get here i wouldn't i would not have said hey Take less threes, Shay, and then like you'll yeah. you'll get to no, where you right. want to go. Yeah, um, but he's done that. He's been unbelievable this year, and uh, a, a lot of me has kind of wanted the Thunder to dip into the lottery one more time to get somebody. But the emergence of Jalen Williams makes that nah. something like you don't really you don't need it. You know, I think if Jalen Williams, let's say they didn't get him and they just had Usman Jang and Chet, I think you'd be in a spot where you'd be like, okay. Like is Giddy really good enough to be yeah. there? Like Giddy is Giddy is really good and has had a very well, underrated season. Yeah, that, that's who I wanted to talk about next was Josh. So yeah, yeah, give, but give yeah, you, thoughts. yeah, but you still, but I don't think they need to get there. I want to see what Shea can do in a play in, like in the play in, or if they can get to the six seed, or if they can win a play in game or two. Like I would like to see. I guess they'd only need to win. No, they they need to win two if they're in the lower seed. But I'd like to see them. Um, in like games that really matter. Yeah. And I'd like to see Mark coach in games that really matter. I will say on Josh too. So Josh hasn't played in the playoffs, even back to the NBL. Right. Yeah. But Josh's like late game stuff when he was playing like U18, like equivalent here mm-hmm. was like pretty real. Apparently haven't talked to people around like Australian basketball. Like he might be a dude that like really just emerges in the playoffs is like a real thing because he has that competitive drive that whatever that is, you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. I think Josh has been great this year. I think he's really taken the steps that you would hope 
that he would take point blank. Yeah. Right. Like he's averaging 16, eight and six. His processing ability is just second to none. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to shooting for him because he's not going to mm-hmm. always be on the ball. He needs to be a 36% three-point shooter. I think he'll get there. Mm-hmm. I do. Like he's made real strides as a shooter this year and he's a worker. Like he is a really like, not like a psycho psycho worker, but like a guy who really wants to get in the gym and like really wants to improve every single time out. He's gotten huge this year. Like he is yeah. enormous. Yeah. Uh, not just like tall, but like his body has just like filled out in a really substantial way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he's only 20. I mean, that's the thing that's kind of crazy. That's scary. That, that he's already bulked up and you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, oh, wait, he's 20. He's 20? Like, what does Josh Giddy look like at 25? I think you know? he's going to be an all-star. Andrew, I think yeah. he's going to be an all-star. <laughs> like- that's, the, that's the thing. I, th- I think that people, I think people underrate him in Oklahoma City, one, because Shea's so good, and then two, because J-Dub has taken yeah. such a huge step. But honestly, if you were to sit down before the season and say, okay, what does Josh Giddy have to do to make you think that he's an improved player? Well, he's got to shoot it better. Well, he went from 46% effective field goal to 51. Yep. Like he's improved significantly as a shooter. He was 26% from three last year, 32% this year. Is it guaranteed to get a whole lot better than that? Not guaranteed, but that's at least like, okay, you can take threes. If he's 26% still this year, you're like, oh boy. Okay, like let's we got to go back to the drawing board on this guy. No, he's like he's figured yeah. it out, and he's and he's had spots in the season where he's hit like over forty percent for like twenty games in a row, and then he'll slump, and then I mean he's yeah. just a classic like guy that's trying to figure out his shot. But sixteen points per game from twelve last year. I mean, I just honestly don't know what else you could ask for from Josh. And he's willing to yep. take on a lesser role at times and willing to be a guy down the stretch. I mean, there was there's a game in Boston down the stretch where he basically was like just your designated rebounder. Yeah. Like I'm gonna totally. I'm gonna rebound and I'm gonna g- get the hit ahead pass. And it's the ball's yeah. gone out of bounds. Great. I can pass the ball in from out of bounds better than probably anybody else in the NBA, not named LeBron James. Um it's unbelievable. He he is a special player, and he's also the second youngest guy in their rotation. The only guy that's younger is Usman Jang. And yeah. I think people forget about that too when they're kind of projecting because it's like, oh, we got, you know, Shea and we've got J Dub and, you know, Chet. And it's like, wait, wait a minute. Like this, you have this six foot eight, like positionless point guard whatever he is yeah. who's ultra competitive fiery he was so mad at himself in the game the other day he threw a he threw a really bad pass and he's just like smacking himself in the head over and over again like just because he's like he just wants to win so badly and wanted to win that yeah. phoenix game so badly uh that he just he has just a characteristic about him just like that kind of fire about him they're like okay I've seen it on the court enough times where I believe in this dude. Like, I just believe he's going to figure it out. So Jason Williams in the YouTube comments said, I don't think everyone on OKC can be an Uh, (laughs) all-star. Daniel Garrett then posed this question that is interesting. Over under three and a half all-stars by 2028 on this Oklahoma City roster. Andrew, I would say over. Over for this reason, too. Because they have 15 first-round draft picks. In like the next like five or six drafts. Well, I'm, I'm saying can... like 
over on this current roster. Over on under. this current roster. Oh, yeah. I Shame. think I would say over. <laughs> I think all oh. of here. Oh, so here's man. the thing. So okay. chat, I, I'm all in on it. chat. Like, let's just be clear. Okay. I'm all in yeah. on chat. Yeah. Um, Josh Giddy is really good. Look, here's the thing. 2028, all these guys come out of their rookie scale deal. I don't yeah. know if it's going to all be for Oklahoma City either. Let's be clear here. Yeah, like, it's it might not gonna have some. There's going to be some decisions to make whether that is like pay just a ridiculous luxury tax bill right. or or like, OK, what have we can't do all of this. And, and, the, and the good thing yeah. about that Thunder fans need to know about the, the luxury tax bill is that they are using these years where they are lean to prepare for those years. You know, they are banking money right now. They just got a big fat check from not this year, but the past year uh, with revenue sharing. And so they are preparing to pay a big tax bill. So look, Jalen Williams, I think is going to be an all-star. Shea is an all-star. I think Chet is going to be an all-star. I get it if people are not quite as high on Chet because we haven't seen him yet. I've seen enough of him beforehand that I feel really good about him in terms yeah. of what his game is going to be. And he landed in the perfect spot developmentally in Oklahoma City that will yeah. take the long approach with him and fill out mm-hmm. his frame and do everything possible. It comes down to Giddy. And I, I, look, Giddy is 20 years old and averaging 16, 8, and 6. Mm-hmm. Like – these guys typically are all-stars at this, like guys that are efficient doing so for like a 500 team. These guys are typically all-stars. Yeah. They typically make it. And, and it's, it's kind of like the same question that I asked about the Cavs earlier. It's like, what, what else would you want him to do yeah. for him to get there? You know, reasonably, what else would you want him to do? You know, it's not yeah. reasonable to say, well, he's got to shoot 40% from three. Like that's, that's an unreasonable number at this point. Could he get there someday? It's not impossible. It's probably unlikely. But, I mean, the Thunder just, I don't know what they paid to bring in one of the best shooting coaches in the world, but they're all in on yeah. trying to make this happen. Yeah. No, look, and look, it might be, you know, as Danny Schroeder says in the YouTube comments, like, you know, it might be a situation where it's J-Dub one year, Giddy the next year. I'm not saying they make four simultaneously, yeah. like in the same yeah, all-star yeah. group. I'm saying that over that five-year stretch, I think that they have four all-stars currently on this roster. Whether or not they all make it for Oklahoma City, whether or not they all make it at the same time, I don't know. But I think that those four are all future all-stars. It is... It's pretty crazy. And I mean, look, like Ryan Dunleavy brings up a great point as well. You know, the Cavs are a great comp. You know, they have four all-stars on their roster, mm-hmm. assuming Evan Mobley mm-hmm. makes one. And yep. I see no reason to believe Evan Mobley is not going to make an all-star game. So no, I think yeah. that's right. It's yeah. they'll get staggered out. But here's the thing, Oklahoma city, like I said, to start this conversation, and this will be where they, where we end it. They figured this out before everybody else did. Mm-hmm. And because they figured it out before everybody else did, they have positioned themselves with players that everyone around the league wants, essentially, yep. mm-hmm. and player types that everyone around the league wants. So yep. uh, that's where I'm at. And, and they have Poku. And they have Poku. Uh, we can't. My dear sweet, uh, dear sweet Poku is has not played for a long time, and it's it's disappointing <laughs> no. to me. 
I, yeah. I have concerns about his trajectory at this point and his future he'll on this. He'll be back soon. Roster. He'll be back soon. He's playing for the blue. Uh, he's feeling he's feeling good. So yeah, um, I love Poku. I, he winked at me in line at Starbucks once, and it just it what just, a I dream. Just melt, I just melted to the floor. <laughs> yeah, Andrew, we're gonna end there. Tell the people where they can find your work. Tell the people what's going on. Uh, go listen to the Athletic NBA show. You can listen to me specifically on the Daily Ding on Monday nights and then on the Saturday Slam and Jam. And go listen to Down to Dunk. It's a Thunder podcast. So if you just cannot get enough Thunder content, you can go listen to that. I also have a Patreon show called the OKC Dream Team. Uh, just search OKC Dream Team on patreon.com. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where you can find me. Go find Andrew. He is the best. I'm Sam Vecini. We will be back later this week to talk maybe some NCAA tournament, maybe some NBA, maybe a hybrid with Mark Schindler. Uh, I wrote about the Rockets, a team that is rebuilding as well, uh, that is not going quite as well earlier today with Kelly Eco. Please go read that. I'll probably have something next week written-wise. I'm not totally sure. I'm taking the next couple days to like really try and knock down some draft guide stuff. So, Keep it locked there. I will also have some NCAA tournament stuff as that kicks back into gear Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel, Game Theory Podcast with Sam Ficini. Go subscribe uh, over on Apple, you know, uh, Spotify. That's the other podcasting platform that people use. Right, Andrew? There we go. That's it. I'm back. That's it. <laughs> uh, keep it locked here, though. We'll be back later this week. Until next time, we'll talk soon.